he's going to share a really... Ooh, there we do it again. <laughs> All right. Sorry. See, are we safe now? Okay. Getting there. Getting there. All right. I like how him has said, if you're in a relationship with any human being, you should come to Living Waters. It made me think, well, if you're not in a relationship with, living, with any human being, you probably really should come because that's really evidence of some, some issues going on that you could use some help with. So, but yeah, Living Waters is going to be great, and we are condensing a little bit the, the 20 sessions into three months, so it's going to be not quite as drawn out as it sometimes is, but really powerful. Okay, um, I feel like I'm in a Star Wars movie here. <laughs> Scoot back. But, oh, thank you. Any other advice? That's, man, you, who needs Steven Mansfield? You're my life coach right there. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, maybe not, we'll take it so far. Well, good to be here this morning, and we are continuing what we started last week, talking about the hope of his appearing, how, man, the world needs hope. We need hope, and we tend to look for hope in all sorts of places, but Jesus appearing in our lives is the ultimate thing that brings hope. And that was true 2,000 years ago when he showed up on the scene, what we celebrate at Christmas. It's true here and now as we seek him, he shows up. And it's true with his future coming when he comes back to, to the earth. And that's something last week we talked about anticipation. And I don't know how many of you, you may be surprised at this, those of you who know me, but when I was a kid, I was really into Christmas. Like, I don't know if I, I wasn't like I wore like Christmas sweaters all the time or anything like that, but I like we were so excited because my, my mom did a great job of making Christmas memorable, especially for, for little kids. And so I remember the anticipation of Christmas is coming. And oh man, I just can't, it's three more weeks. Ah, oh, I could hardly wait. And then I remember at some point, one Christmas, after the presents were all opened, having this feeling, man, I got to wait 365 days <laughs> until next Christmas. It was like immediately, like as soon as it happened, I was already like, oh, shoot, I have to wait a whole year. And there was a sense, it was kind of like, it was good, but there was still like something unmet that I was still hoping for. And I still have that experience. Guess where I have this experience? Right now I'm having this experience to a maybe similar degree. Every Friday night, after watching The Mandalorian. <laughs> it's like, oh, that, that was good. Oh, man, I got to wait a whole other week because, like, this is a good story. I'm into it. I like the characters, kind of feel like part of it. And there's this, like, oh, but I got to wait till the next episode drops next Friday. And so this morning we're talking about how there's a, with, with, with Jesus appearing in our lives, that's what our, where our whole theme is. Like, man, how do we encounter Jesus in our life, both now and also his future coming? There's a truth that we can actually compress time. And that's pretty profound, pretty deep, like physics stuff. But we um, can, in our own life, as the way we approach God compresses the time between how we experience him. And not only that, but even in his second coming we have a role to play in when he comes back. So that, that's crazy. But we're going to look at that. We're going to look at uh, the last chapter in the book of 2 Peter, chapter, chapter 3. And this, these were words written by the Apostle Peter. So he was one of Jesus' main disciples, walked with him for three years. 
And then he was, you know, one of the key leaders in the early church. And these were some of the last words that he wrote before he died. And even in this, in this letter, it was written to churches all across the, the world who had become believers. He was giving some of his last, most important thoughts. So if you can just kind of like, re, as we read this section from 2 Peter 3, imagine it's like Uncle Peter, like old Uncle Peter, who we all like know of and love, and he's, he's telling us, hey, my time's short. He's actually in a, probably in a Roman prison, and he knows that his time is short. He's, he's, he's going to be killed in a little bit, actually, for his faith. But he's passing on his, his last words. And so, it's the end of this, this letter. I'd actually encourage you this week to read on your own the, the rest of this, this letter. Um, even 1 Peter and 2 Peter would be a great thing to read a chapter of every week, every day this week, um, in your personal time with God. But in this letter, this is actually the most explicit treatment in the Bible of the question of Jesus' second coming and why there's a delay. Because the early church knew that Jesus had said he was coming back and the the leaders of the church had been, had been promising Jesus coming back, and they expected it to be soon, and there was a, a confusion and a sense of disappointment, kind of like I felt on Christmas, or I felt every Friday night now, like, man, how come it's taking so long? Why, man, why, why is this delay? And so he's, he's, this is the most explicit treatment of that topic we have in Scripture. Um, also, there were a lot of, just the context of this, this letter, there were a lot of false teachers going around. Um, saying different stuff, denying that Jesus had even come, um, but especially saying that he wasn't coming back, and basically like, hey, get out of jail free card. Like, hey, don't, no judgment coming. So it, just to justify their, their immoral behavior. And so they were engaging in a lot of casual sex and just immoral behavior and kind of using the justification of, oh, there's no judgment, you don't have to worry about it, to back up their lifestyle and what they were promoting. So Peter is... Is, is addressing this whole, coming to this whole situation. Um, you know, it wasn't just like a, not only were the, 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 the audience had reason to be, they had a lot hanging on this question of Jesus' return because not only was it longer than many of them had thought it would be, but this was also the time of, the, of Nero was the, Caesar, was the Caesar of the Roman Empire, and this was the time of the first wave of intense persecution during his reign. And so Christians were being arrested, they were being thrown into jail, Some of them were be, many of them were being killed. There was intense persecution for being a follower of Jesus, saying Jesus is king. And so there was, there was a lot riding, a lot people were going through. And so I think, you know, I saw a, a Babylon Bee this last, a couple weeks ago, saying every time, you know, we say, like, everyone's like, oh, 2020, the worst year ever. It's like, 2020, the worst year ever, except every other era in history. Basically, you know, oh, man, we have to stay in our air-conditioned homes and be online. This is really rough. But, you know, no, it's really not that rough compared to what people have gone through throughout all of history. So, 2 Peter verse, chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to read uh, about 15 verses here. Uncle Peter starts, or continues his letter, and he says this. He says, this is my second letter to you, dear friends. And in both of them, I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember and understand what the holy prophets said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through your apostles. First, I want to remind you that in the last days, 
In the last days, that term it's, can be confusing because it's like, how long is it the last days? But basically, the last days it refers to the time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. It's the last days. We don't know how long that is, but it's the end of this era of human history before Jesus comes back and, and things change. So I want to remind you that in the last days there will be scoffers. There's still a few of those around today. It's definitely a scoffing spirit in the air. There will be scoffers who will laugh at the truth and do every evil thing they desire. This will be their argument. Jesus promised to come back, did he? Then where is he? Why, as far back as anyone can remember, everything has remained exactly the same since the world was first created. Right, we've probably heard these scoffs. We've probably scoffed them ourselves, right? In our own thought. We've had those thoughts and questions in our own minds. Like, man, where Jesus is real. Like, how come things haven't changed? How come he hasn't come back like he said he was going to? It seems like life's just going on one day after another. But verse 3, or verse 5. But, Peter says, they deliberately forget that God made the heavens by the word of his command. And he brought the earth up from the water and surrounded it with water. In other words, Peter's saying, hey, this whole universe, this whole earth that you live in, it wasn't always here either, but God spoke, and the world came into existence. And, and God spoke, and at the beginning of time where there was a world that was just water covering the surface of the earth, and that water, always in, the, in, in um, ancient Middle Eastern cultures, that represented chaos. It was the idea of, like, the deep and the unknown and sea monsters and just, like, the evil powers. It was the idea that, like, man, there was this chaos and confusion and disorder, but God spoke and dry land appeared, and God separated that, and God began to bring order. Through, in, one, in one day, one moment, he changed things. And so God can do things pretty quick when he's ready. Um, so God did that. And then in, in verse 6, then he used the water to destroy the world with a mighty flood. So there has been a judgment before in the past. There was a really bad judgment back in the days of Noah when the whole earth was flooded. And so be careful about just assuming things are going to go on and you can do what you want because God, God does bring judgment. Um, where, where am I? Okay. Verse 7, and God has also commanded that the heavens and earth have been, that the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire on the day of judgment when ungodly people will perish. But you must not forget, dear friends, that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Okay, God's, is that, you know, that'll give us pause. God's sense of time is different than our sense of time. Like what feels like really long to us, like until next Friday, it's really not that long. I was actually thinking about this th this week, and I, I don't know about you, but I personally feel a little bit unsettled about the whole election right now, and the whole what, what to me is some unanswered questions about was there fraud or wasn't there? And they're, you know, don't want to get into too much. I don't know. That's, that's where I'm at. I don't know. But there are some things that look suspicious. And I would like some answers about. And 
so I was actually like, God, like, just, this is hard. I, I like, it's hard for me to, like, go on. Like, I wish there was some resolution to this. And actually, this passage came to mind, like, okay, a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. In other words, like, the thing that spoke to me is, all right, it's going to work out in, in just in enough plenty of time. Like, God's going to reveal things. Whatever it is, like, our time frame is different, and, and God's in charge. And so we can, we can have peace with that. Um, okay. Verse 9. The Lord isn't really slow about his promise to return, as some people think. No. He is being patient for your sake. Because he does not want anyone to perish. So he is giving more time for everyone to repent. Okay, there's, man, good reason. Good reason for God to delay, right? There's all this talk about, like, man, it sounds like an intense judgment. But really God's heart is to allow time for everyone to, to hear the good news of Jesus, to turn from their sins, and to trust in him and repent. But, verse 10, the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And um, heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be exposed to judgment. Okay, so there, this, this time is coming. And it's in that this, this verse is, is difficult to translate. If you, have, if you look at different versions of your Bible, it's going to be translated kind of differently. But that word elements, it could mean, sometimes it could mean just like elements, like the basic elements of the earth. Sometimes it's translated he heavenly bodies. And so the whole idea of the heavens passing away, a lot of times in the Bible, that's, that's language of like the spiritual powers that are in place in the universe. And so like they will pass away. And the heavenly bodies, those, those rulers and authorities that are disobedient to King Jesus, they will be judged and pass away. So that's one possible meaning. Um, the, the word literally, it's, it's, it's like stoikon in Greek. And it's, it also is translated like fundamental principles. Like the fundamental principles of this world. And those are, and it's really usually the idea of fundamental principles that are kind of like the way we think apart from God. Like our natural thinking. Our natural ways of thinking. So when we're trying to like just live by our own reason and resources and philosophy, it's like those natural principles, but they're missing a whole other level of what's, what's really true. And like in Colossians 2.8, um, Paul says this, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world. That elemental spirits, that's the same word, stoikon, according to the elementary principles, some translations say. So it's like these, these spiritual truths, that don't seem like spiritual truths. They just seem like natural truths to us. Like, you know, I need to live by my own resources, and I can only trust what I see. And, and there are spiritual powers behind that. Um, so, you know, those are things that are not according to Christ, and they're missing out on this whole greater level of understanding. So, back to Peter saying, hey, that all is going to pass away and be revealed when Jesus returns. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, can anyone just throw out, what's another, like, fun, elemental spirit or fundamental truth 
that is, that is easy to believe, but it's not actually true. Can we think of, think of one? There are no absolute truths. Yeah, man, yeah. So the elemental spirits in the world today, like they're propagating that lie big time. That there are absolutely no absolute truths. You know, like that's like, you can't judge anything, you know, except the fact that the people that are, that are Christians, you got to judge them. But yeah, this, that's, that's, a, that's the good example out there right now. All right. Um, okay, verse 11. Since everything around us is going to melt away, what holy godly lives you should be living. And this is, this is the verse, this is what we really want to zero in on today. You should look forward to that day and hurry it along. The day when God will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. You should look forward to that day and hurry it along. So that's really crazy when you think about it. Peter's saying, you should look forward to this day of Jesus' return, Jesus appearing, and not only look forward to it, but hurry it along. Like, you need to be, you, I'm encouraging you to do something that's going to make that day get here faster. Now, Reagan was talking about how when we worship God, it elevates us. Man, this is like elevating us, right? That we as image bearers of God, that something about the way we live affects the timetable of history and the timetable of when Jesus comes back. I mean, that's different than what we often think. I, a lot of the thought about Jesus' second coming is just the like, oh my goodness, it's, it's, it's going to be really bad. And we just kind of, the worse the world is, that means it's the closer to the time when Jesus comes back. And so it must be now because it's really bad right now. Like, that's, it's the sense that if you were going to hurry it along, you were just like making things worse. But surely that's not what God would be asking us to do, right? But there's something, like God has, he says, that, man, you can hurry this along. And so that begs the question. Well, two questions before we get to the one that's probably more obvious. First question is why would we want to hurry that along? Especially because some of this language and our thoughts of Jesus' return is like, oh man, that's judgment? Like, that's like, the boss is coming back, look busy. Like, you know, this is, that's kind of, that's scary. And a lot of this description is like, oh, wow, that's, that's real judgment. That's, that's a scary thing. Like, why would you be like wanting to hurry that along? What do you, you want to delay that longer? But he's saying, no, hurry it along. There are two, two good reasons that we want to hurry that along. Um, and the one is, is spelled out really clearly in the next verse. Verse 12, or verse, uh, verse 13, but, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised. A world where righteousness dwells. Man, because when Jesus comes back, he's going to recreate, renew heaven and earth. This, this broken world, all the pain, all the sickness, all the injustice, all the broken relationships, that is going to be renewed and it's going to be restored and made new the way God meant it to be. And that is, that is what we're all really yearning for, right? I mean, like, the desire for Christmas, the desire for the good Mandalorian show, whatever it is, like, what we're really in our hearts yearning for is for this world to be made right. For the world to be a place where, where it's rightness, righteousness, you can think of it as rightness, 
It's all made right. There's peace, relationships, rightness. And that's going to happen fully when Jesus comes back. Man, that is, that is what we all are yearning for. And so that's a good thing. Um, so that's why we can yearn for this. And then secondly, we can yearn for this because um, we can hurry it up because we can be personally ready for that day. Those of us who are ready for him, those of us who are in our relationship with God is in a good place, man, there's nothing more we want than to see him face to face and to encounter Jesus and to know him and all the distance removed and, and to come into that greater purpose that he made us for. We're going to live out in eternity. And so, man, those are reasons to hurry this up. Um, and so, that's, that's why. What about how? Well, that's the big question I ask. But how do we hurry up? He's telling us to hurry up the day of Jesus appearing. How the heck do you do that? You know, I mean, like, how do you, like, convince Jesus to come back sooner? That doesn't seem like something very likely that I'd be able to do. Um, and I want to think about this. It's, this is true. This is what Peter says. We have the ability to influence. And it's also true not only about a second coming, but how he shows up in our life now. How he appears in our life now. Like how we hasten his ultimate appearing also is how we hurry up his appearing in our lives, in our experience of him in our life, right here in the here and now. And so um, how, do we, how do we hurry it up? Well, some of this is like my best guess. You know, I'm like, I think this is, this is my best, like trying to put pieces together. You probably have other insights. I'd love to hear them. Um, but I'm going to give you, I, th I think these are all definitely ways that we can, we can hurry up his appearing both now and his, his second coming. Um, in verse, verse 15, Peter says, Remember, the Lord is waiting so that people have time to be saved. He's waiting so that more people have time to be saved. So the timetable of Jesus' return is connected to more people having the opportunity to be saved. And so the first way that we hurry this on is by hurrying up his return is by passing on the gospel. Is passing on the life that we've received to other people. The, the com great commission that Jesus gave us, go and make disciples of all nations. That was not just like a, a suggestion. That was an assignment that God gave to his people. Like, here, this is what I want you to do. Like, I'm, it's like Dad going, up, going away for the day saying, hey, I want you to, to um, mow the yard while I'm gone. And our job is not to, like, figure out when he's coming back. It's to mow the yard so that when he comes back, it's ready. And our job is to disciple the nations and expect that Jesus is, is not going to come back until we've fulfilled the job that he's given us to do. In Matthew 24, Jesus says, in Matthew 24, 14, um, he says, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached to all the nations, and then the end will come. And so we have a role to play in God's mission being accomplished, that we must take the gospel to every nation. We were praying this morning, um, and just praying for nations. And I've just been in my heart lately, like, man, what about Saudi Arabia? Like, there are, there's no known church in Saudi Arabia today. And that's not okay. That's not God's will. Man, we need to believe that every people group, I was talking a couple days ago to our friend Sichum, who um, 
our church partners with. He does missionary work in China. And he was talking, about, we were, had a Zoom call, and he was talking about how the main thing he's focusing on now is helping people that are in Western China reach these, they're called UUPGs, like, um, un, what's the word? Not just unreached people groups, but not even like there's not even a connection with these people groups. Like there's no known opportunity for them to hear the gospel. And so there are people that are intentionally strategizing and working. How can we lay down our lives to reach people that have no opportunity to know about Jesus right now? And so, man, the first way we heard it today of his appearing is by bringing the gospel to people around us into the world and passing it on. The second way we hurry it on is to pray. And our prayers are, prayers are powerful. In the book of Revelation, it talks about there being in heaven like bowls that are, that are getting filled up with the prayers of God's people. And when those bowls are full, that's when God acts and moves. And so there's part of our, our calling as image bearers is to intercede, to stand in the place here on earth, to pray for God's will to be done, as, as Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. Pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And there's something we have no, we underestimate the power of our prayers. That as we pray, like God is changing things. And he's, his kingdom is coming. And it's hurrying up the time of his return. Um, I even want to encourage us, like, it was cool this morning in our prayer time. We, I just said, you know, I, I want us to pray not for our church. No prayers for our church. Let's only pray for the world out there. I think it's so easy for us to be focused on ourselves, but really to see that, no, God, we're called to, to see your kingdom come. Like, let's pray for the world. And so as we pray like that, it hurries up Jesus appearing in the world now and in the future. And then the last thing, you know, when I hear, when I read these words like, hey, speed up the time of his return, part of my natural inclination is to think like, okay, I got to work harder. Man, he's like cracking the whip a little bit. Like, okay, I got to like double time. Do more, do more. Try more. Work faster. And that's, that mentality is always missing the way God communicates to us or what's, what's really important. Everything from God is by faith. Um, it involves our work, but it's not like, just no, do more. Try harder. Come on, you're not doing enough. Um, but it's more about, I think, what the thing that hurries up his appearing it's not so much doing more, but it's a different mentality. It's what I, I want to call living upside down. And Peter, soon after he wrote this letter, the church tradition tells us that he was executed for his faith. And the, the choice of execution was crucifixion, so just like Jesus. And Peter, when he was about to be crucified, told the Roman authorities, hey, would you do me a favor? I'm not worthy to die the same way as my master, so just let me off the hook. Now, that's what I would have said, but that's not what he said. <laughs> he said, I'm not worthy, so would you crucify me upside down? And that's what they did. Like, they inverted the cross, and he hung upside down. And I think that's just such a powerful picture of just the life of following Jesus that he calls us to, because it's always upside down from our natural inclinations. It's always upside down from those elemental principles of the world and the way we naturally think. It's not so much like, 
try harder. But it's more, no, bring the upside-down kingdom of God into the way that you're living. And everything God does, it's, it's always upside down. It's, it's, don't seek vengeance, love your enemies. Dang, I mean, that's upside down, right? That's not how we naturally think. Now, when someone wrongs you, make them pay. No, forgive them. Oh, my goodness, that's upside down. Everything you do, it's, it, and it's, it's coming into life. It's the things like do your job. Not for your boss or for yourself. Do it for the Lord. Oh my goodness. That's just bringing this upside down way of thinking to our life. And there are, it's really like taking on that mentality that, that changes everything. And really it's, the, you know, it's, it's dying to ourself. It's, it's following, just like Peter did, it's the call to die to our own natural desires. And we, we, may not, we may or may not die physically, for our faith, but we're all called to die um, to our own desires. Um, in Revelation 12, we're looking at some people who did this so well, and this is a vision that, that, that Peter's buddy John saw. It says, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives, even unto death. Wow. They lived upside down. They, they lived in the, the blood of Jesus. They spoke boldly. And they didn't love their lives. They didn't hold on to the way they had things. They were willing to die. And I think one of the ways that like we, we need to, we're called to live upside down, is that there's this temptation to settle for a, a tame Christianity. Kind of like Christianity becomes live this nice moral code. And, you know, as we're in, in, especially in nations like the U.S., where Christianity has come, it's been here for a long time. I, my best friend from high school and middle school is now a, he's from Finland, and he's lived around the world, but he's now back in Finland, and he's, he works for the National Church, the Lutheran Church of Finland, which is like the state church. And he's like the mission theologian. He was a missionary in Asia. Now he's, he's in Finland. So he's like helps with their theology. And he just emailed me this week like the document of their vision for the church for the next five years. And this is a church that basically when you're born in Finland, people just get baptized because it's like that's what you do as part of your culture. And so 90% of people have been baptized and are considered members of the church. But two-thirds of men do not believe in God. And so it's like, wow, this is crazy. But everybody, if you're a member of the church, part of your tax goes to fund the church. And so there's this whole, like, bureaucracy set up. And it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a part of the Church of Finland. You know, this is how it works. And it's like, wow, that's, like, obviously missing out on upside-down living. It's obviously missing out on how we're called to live. But it's so easy for us to kind of domesticate and tame our faith and lose, like, no, this is about, like, a radical call to die to ourselves and to engage in every moment, living upside down. Um, but really, just like, as we read the Bible, I've been doing this exercise recently, like, okay, God, help me to see where I'm just like, yeah, 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 I get that. And like, no, every page on the Bible, it's really radical. Like, if we look at it like, oh, this is saying that the God of the universe lives inside of me? Wow, this is saying that 
Everywhere I go, God's presence comes. Man, that's insane. That's upside down. This is saying that I have authority to, to pray for people and see stuff happen. And man, this is saying that Jesus can call me to, to leave my family, to, to follow Jesus. This is like, every, man, everything in here is, is it's intense. But it's so easy for us to just like settle for this like nice Christianity and miss like the, the, the upside downness of it all. But really, like, that's the thrill, right? Like, that's where we live when we're going through life. Like, God, might just, how, can I, how can this day really matter? Just turning things upside down. Um, so that can look like different ways. You know, that can look like the early church. Like, man, my amount of time that I'm spending with other people, that's kind of insane. You know, the percent of money that I'm given to others, given to, to God's purpose, that's, that's kind of crazy. You know, this is like I'm sacrificing my career for, to, to raise kids. Like, man, that's, that's not natural. That's upside down. It affects man, decision after decision, but it's looking at our life and saying, God, where are the places, and how can I want to live this way? I want to live upside down. And so, man, it's just, when we live this way, I know, you know, we could, that we have so many stories. Like, that's, like, this is, I love how we are living this way and having stories of God showing up in this. I, um, just one more story. I've got another friend. I've got two, so I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> I think I'm, I don't think I have to go through Living Waters again. I don't know. <coughs> but no, she, um, she, she's someone who posts on Facebook. She's one of those people who like has a huge following. She's just a really funny, really good writer. And so she posted this last week. And her name's Sarah Williams. And she said, I hate goals, I hate like New Year's resolutions, I hate to-do lists, but last year I felt like I needed to do something, I needed to do something every day, I felt like I was supposed to do this, and in 2020, I had a calendar where I, I wrote down something positive that I was thankful for every day, and so I started this January 1st, and so she had a picture of like her calendars, she said it's crazy, like 2020, everybody's like, hey, worst year ever, right? She's like, actually, it was rough. But every single day, I saw, like, God's goodness in my life because I, I flipped my mentality and looked for what God was doing around me and, and zeroed in on that and lived from that. And, man, I, actually, this year was pretty good. Like, it was rough, but, like, this was, there was, like, that richness of God's kingdom and presence in the midst of everything. Like, that, that's what, it really was a good year. And, man, that's, that's how it works. That is whatever our life is, whatever our circumstances, like seeing, like, what's natural, not what's, not what's natural, but, God, where do you want to flip things? And call me to be living this upside-down thing. Um, so, yeah. Let's want to pray for us. And we're going to worship God with one more song, too. So, worship team, you can come back up. But um, as we do that, let's, let's pray. God, I just pray this morning that you would show us places where we're playing it safe. Show us places where we're living according to the, the natural, elemental principles of this world. And Lord, give us vision and faith to live upside down in that.
Lord, even in the places where we're, we're living that out, I pray for just renewed vision and encouragement. And Lord, I pray for your, your uh, empowering. And I pray for your joy. God, just wherever we're at this morning, God, I pray for the joy of knowing, man, you, you are near. And you show up. You show up as I turn to you. You are going to show up ultimately, and I can speed up that process. And Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, would you show up in our lives today? Would you show up in our lives this week? Would you show up in our, in our community, in our families this week, this month? God, help us to, to live in that way that we're ushering in your kingdom. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.